Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Wow, what a beautiful morning out there, folks. It's uh, We have a great studio here. We're looking over the mountains of Sunny Slope, and that's you know, kind of where I grew up on those very hills out there climbing. And uh, beautiful morning out there, perfect time. If you want to go for a hike, there's not a better day in the year and any nicer weather than we have right now. It's just perfect outside. A little chilly, you know, and it's great for exercise and a little hike and be fun. Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. The number to call, 602-277-5827. We have Shira here on phone and music. Uh, give her a call and you could be up after uh, Walter and Carol with Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I want to take a minute and just invite you out to Whitfield's. You know, Whitfield's we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for, for four generations. All kinds of trees, from citrus trees, which we talk about a lot, but also desert trees like mesquites and ironwoods and palo verdes to beautiful shade trees like ashes and elms and flowering pears. Whatever your dream for that perfect garden, come out and see us. And this is flower season. So if you've never planted flowers here on the desert, if you want to brighten up your holiday season, now is the perfect time to put in geraniums, petunias, pansies, snaps, stalks, all those fun things. Or if you want to grow your own garden, uh, great time of year to do so. So all the greens, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, all those kind of things. Just love this weather. Lettuce, you know, if you if you don't want to pay for, you know, actually wholesale price of lettuce, you know, right now is about $4 a head. So, you know, you can grow it cheaper at home. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll get right to the phones. Walter in Cave Creek. Good morning, Walter. Hi. Hi. How are you? Excellent, sir. Thanks for asking. Uh, yes, I'm uh, in the foothills north of uh, Phoenix, almost up the, against the mountains in Cave Creek, and I've got natural. I've got five acres of natural desert that I have hackberry, desert hackberry, mm-hmm. and um, I've been told that uh, there's two types because one of them is edible. I can eat them; they're orange and they turn red. And the other one, I thought they were called waxy and edible. And I was just curious if there was anything that more information that I could find out about them. You know, unfortunately, Walter, I'm not your guy. But who I would recommend calling is one of two people, either the Desert Botanical Garden. They're going to be really good. Or the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service. And they're down at um, Broadway. But both those would be a lot more informed than I am. And yes. uh, you know, right. I, I can tell you about eating hoba beans and things like that, but the hackberries <laughs> I haven't experienced, and I don't have the knowledge. So I, rather yes, than guess, and they're they're big, beautiful bushes. They're, they've been here ancient. They must be a hundred years old. All right, I'll I'll give that a call. Thank you for all your right. Help. Thanks, Walter. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Uh, Carol and Mesa. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Brian. Uh, we have a big eucalyptus tree that has broken the wall right next to it. wasn't a good place to plant it. It's about 38 years old. We had no idea it would get to be so big. <laughs> so I wondered what the root shape might be, if we could dig down and cut uh, some of those roots or big root. I don't know what it is. Well, Carol, and- let me ask you this. What's on the other side of the wall? A, a vacant lot. Okay, so it doesn't have any irrigation on the other side of the wall? 
No. Okay, so most of the roots are going to be on your side. And uh, what I would probably do with it is is prune it, get someone to, and this is a great time of year to prune eucalyptus, have a, you know, a tree service come in and prune it for you. Prune it all out and balance it out. Now, if you keep it pruned, that's going to limit the root growth, okay? If you prune it every couple years, it's not going to expand the roots the way it has been in the past. But you can, you can, you know, whenever they come out and prune it, if you have a good arborist or a good tree person that's working trees, uh, you should be able to go ahead and cut any roots that are going underneath that side. Or what you might want to do is just repair the wall by putting a, a footing in that's heavier under the wall, you know, on each side, and then putting some steel inside the wall so it spans, so it doesn't have a, a footing right there with that uh, tree roots going through, and so that it's not counting on that portion for the structural part of the, of the wall. And you could put some steel inside the wall, rebar or some mesh steel, and use ba- basically you'll span that portion of it. You can still have your block go all the way to the ground, but if you take away the footing portion where the tree is raising it and span that, you won't have any more damage. Oh, that's a great idea. And I do appreciate that so much. And I have one more thing. Mm-hmm. Don't forget your Panther Peak story. <laughs> well, if we, if we, if we run, run low on callers, we'll talk about Panther Peak because it was, it was a scary kind of thing. And, it, and anybody down by Tucson may know what it is. But the way I learned it was named Panther Peak was not fun. But anyway, we'll, we'll try it, Carol. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Casey and Gilbert. Good morning, Casey. Good morning. I have a really quick question about planting lantanas. Is mm-hmm. it good to plant lantanas now, or do, should we wait? You can, plant, you can plant lantanas anytime. And lantanas, oh. even though the foliage will freeze, it won't kill the plant. You know, we were in El Paso okay. a few years ago, and it had a freeze that was down to zero, and all the lantanas came back. So they can freeze all the way to the ground and come back. So if they're going to look pretty, if they're going to help your holiday season, plant them now. Okay, and then do how much should we water them? Well, newly planted lantanas, I'd water them two or three times the first week and then probably a minimum of once a week. But I see that you're in Gilbert and we have pretty heavy clay soil. So once they're kind yep. of settled in after the first week or two, weekly's plenty often. Okay. All right, great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye, Casey. Uh, let's see. Next up, Connie in Phoenix. Hello, Connie. Hi, good morning. Sorry. No. Um, I had a test question. Okay. Good. Connie? Try not to get, yeah, I'm trying not to get feedback on the phone. Sorry. Okay. Um, I have, this is my third winter that I've had um, a garden in. In one of my raised beds are these little black bugs. I thought I could handle them with neem oil and that and a couple of natural things that I got from some of the bigger seed houses. Mm-hmm. But I can't even um, tell what they are. Okay, well, you know what? I'll tell you what will probably work for you that's organic is diametaceous earth. (laughs) And and you could put diametaceous earth in when they track through it. That that should work pretty well on beetles. Yeah, because they're just little tiny black ones there underneath the leaves. So do you know what they're they're, they're actually on the plants? Yes, underneath the leaves. And they're, they're not like an aphid of some type? No, that's why, because I've had aphids and battled them and did pretty good with them. Mm-hmm. Did a, a bazillion ladybugs and stuff. And right. These are just 
Neem oil, nothing is shaking these guys. Um, you know what works pretty well for us, uh, and you could probably buy them on the internet, are pirate bugs. And I'm not sure how well they're going to work this time of year in the wintertime, though, as much. You know, they work really well um, in our orchards with thrip. And you know, lace wings and, and pirate bugs are our two main, you know, predator insects that we have there. And then we also have a lot of, uh, you know, predatory wasps, too, that do a pretty good job. But... Um, you know, to be, okay. yeah, and those things you, you, you can buy. Well, the little wasps are great. I mean, the wasp, if you, if you notice, you know, with like a lot of little aphids and things, you'll see the ones that the wasps get because they'll dry out and turn brown. And they're, the predatory wasps do a nice job on them. Um, Okay. But the lace wings are really good too. You can buy lace wing eggs, and uh, they come on a little tab when you buy them on the internet. And you put the tab right on the plant, and when they hatch out, they're like little alligators, and they're pretty fantastic. And they'll stay on the plants. They're not like ladybugs; they're not going to fly away until they, you know, process and they change their life cycle to the little like a dragonfly kind of guys. But when you put when you buy the eggs, you know, they come on a little uh, tab. You put it right on your plant, and they'll hatch out, and they'll they'll eat. Most those insects. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to do as natural as possible. I, I thought I was going to have to maybe pull these guys out because it's just one raised bed that's being affected right now. But well, you know, it's, and sometimes, Connie, that might be the easiest solution. It's just a punt on that crop and, and replay. You know, if you've got a lot just really high density on one crop, you know, go ahead and rip that crop out and put something new in. But either way... If I do that, the soil, I was thinking about taking, like, really thick black um, plastic and mm-hmm. putting it on the soil. I'm worried about planting something else there. Well, that, you know, that's called solarizing, and we do that really well here in the summertime, but it doesn't work well in the winter. But, you know, that's a good way to clean up your soil and your beds is to put black plastic in in the summertime when it's 120. And it's amazing what that'll kill. But, um, no, you might, if you want to try to save the plants, what I would do is you can look on the Internet. There's uh, there's different insectaries, they call them, and they sell these tabs with the lacewing eggs. And uh, we've had great results with lacewings. And, you know, especially when you're treating a small area, you get a half a dozen of these little tabs, and each tab's got like 500 eggs on it. And they hatch out, and they, they'll go eat your critters. Okay, great. I will do that. All righty, Connie. Thanks. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have uh, four lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR.
was nothing quite like those glory days, and they sure passed me by a long time ago. Anyway, welcome back to the wood. Now, now, Sherry, she's probably in her glory days still, you know, but mine are long gone. Anyway, welcome back to the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. We do have a couple lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Mark and Chandler. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. You've got three questions regarding replanting a cactus arm. I'll ask them and you can answer them. Um, I know I want the bottom to callus up before I replant it. Can I put it in a pot if I don't know where I want it yet? And then when I plant it in three or four months, take the entire contents of the pot and just put it in there? And do I need to be careful where they talked about make sure the south end is facing south from where I dug it up? Okay, so a couple things. Uh, this time of year, the direction doesn't matter because the sunlight's not so intense. Okay, so it's not going to matter like it would in the summertime. So you can turn it different directions if that suits you, and that'll be fine. As far as putting it in the container, that's probably easier to root it in the container than the ground because you can use it's a lot. six uh, feet tall right now. Okay, and this is a saguaro, or this is a... Oh, or something similar to a Mexican fence post, okay. not a cirrus. Yeah, all right. Um, but, and it's about six feet, so I'd have to support okay. it. So that's a pretty big cutting. Yeah, so you're going to have to support it. But you could put it in a pot and lean it on a wall if you wanted to. You know, just something just mm-hmm. to hold it up that way. So putting it in a pot's a great idea. It's going to root easier. Um, you know, you want to let it dry and callous. A little powdered sulfur is good. And, uh, to, you know, so you don't get bacteria, but you probably don't have to have it. And um, it's going to root very slowly this time of year. So what it's going to really do is just sit there. You know, and it's going to be in this limbo state until spring comes when it gets warmer and starts to grow again. So, it, it, it can, do you recommend waiting till spring? Pardon? If I don't need to plant it now and I'm waiting to see where I want to put it, it's okay to keep it until spring. Would that be I, I, more? I would just set it in a pot, kind of like you're talking about. And it can be it's just a small container, okay? And lean yep. it up against the wall somewhere. And, uh, you know, because it probably will start to generate some roots before you pay attention to it. And uh, then it can start to root out that container. Then you can plant it wherever you want to. Um, you know, an ideal location to put it would be like on the east side of the house, though, or even the south side in the sun. You don't want to put it on the north side and then try to plant it later. No north, so no direct sun. Okay, no, you so want no, you want to have some direct you want sun. sun. Yeah, I want and, sun. and then when you get around to planting it, then the the area that you had and direction you, know, you have it planted, then it's going to be important because in the springtime and in the summertime especially, it'll sunburn if you if you turn it incorrectly. So when you're this time of year, put it wherever you want to. It'll do better if you put it you know where it gets some light, and then when you transplant it into the summer and you put it in the sun, make sure you keep the direction the same. Got it. Thank you for your help this morning. Thanks, Mark. Have a nice morning. Bye-bye. Uh, Charles in North Phoenix. Hi, Charles. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to call. Thank you. Uh, I called you about a year ago, and uh, I've got about 200 plants that I'm growing in little pots all around the yard. I'm a little crazy. And uh, I was having trouble transplanting pups from a Madagascar palm mm-hmm. and uh, i tried it for years but uh, you recommended that i cut a slit in it at the very at, towards the bottom of one of the pups and cover it with dirt and i did that and i opened it up about uh two weeks ago and i had about a four inch rope bulb around it <laughs> and so, so i transplanted that so it's doing fine so yeah i grow a, a lot of plants in water i got meyer lemons in water uh from cuttings i got uh 
uh, oh, ficus. And uh, I, but my other question is: is when you grow a ficus, what do they transplant it? What uh, rootstock do they transplant it to? Sometimes. Well, they're not. I mean, ficus are all mm-hmm. grown. Mostly are grown from cuttings or air layers. You know, as far okay. as commercially. And um, so e- either way, they're pretty darn easy to grow. I mean, ficus propagate pretty well, whether it's a rubber well, plant or a ficus nitida. And um, yeah, I've I've got them a, a bonsai. Mm-hmm. And they have those big fancy roots on them. Sure. And what are those roots? Are those ficus roots? Yeah, they're they're air roots, like on a ficus. You know, and when you grow ficus, oh. you know, in oh. tropical places, yeah. and a lot of those come yeah. from China, but they also could be grown, you know, in Central America okay. or even in Florida. But you know, what's really fun is to take a little ficus like that. That's that's you know basically in a more humid climate than we are and you could just take yeah. like a rock on the bottom of it and grow it up over okay. the rock and grow the roots down over the rock and different things. I mean, ficus are very you know easily manipulated. Another, another fun tree you can do kind of things like that with here too are olives. You know, if you want a bonsai oh, really? or prune or yeah, olive trees are wonderful for okay. that. You know, because they're and slow I'm, growing, they're really hardy. Okay. I've got uh, six Meyer lemons growing in, in jars now. <laughs> and they're doing fine. Uh, I had a, a Hawaiian umbrella tree, uh, which is a Chefalier mm-hmm. uh, bonsai. And uh, I read about, it was five years old, and I was reading about uh, aerial roots. And so I built a, a glass cage around it, and I had it. it I had about a quarter inch around. Well, they weren't quite that big, but aerial roots going down into the dirt, about 50 of them off the plant. And uh, it started to smell a little, so I took it out this summer for an hour. And it fried the thing. So I'm starting over on another one now, so. Well, you know what's it's funny, uh, Charles? If you take like even your citrus trees when you're playing with them and you wrap them in aluminum foil, um, they'll ger- germ, um, generate aerial roots that come out of the trunk and go down the ground as oh. well. So you you know, there's a lot of th- you know, a lot of fun things to play with when it comes to plants, and some of us are just yeah. addicts and like to do different kinds of things. Yeah, I just started uh, growing dragon fruit. So, well, I, you know, I, I think gardening and, and growing plants is a lot like cooking. I mean, you, you have to have your failures with your successes, but until you try something different, you're never going to learn. You know, there's a lot My of fun, wife, fun uh, things to thinks do. I'm crazy. <laughs> My wife knows I'm crazy, Charles. <laughs> hey, have a nice day. Okay, well, bye bye. I just wanted to thank you. Well, bye. thanks, thanks for calling. Bye bye, uh, Troy and Gilbert. Good morning, Troy. Hey, so I was looking, I went to one of your, your nurseries, and I was talking to a real nice gentleman over there, and, and I was looking to put a a tree in my front yard, because I had put one in there in ash, and I planted it in April, and it died, but I was thinking about maybe like an elm, or what I really liked was your pistache. Uh-huh. Um, I heard the pistache can grow not real fast as much as the elm can, but... When would be a good time to plant either of those two trees? You know, now is the very best time of the year to plant deciduous trees. So if you're going to plant an ash, an elm, um, even if you want to plant like a live oak or any of the hardy evergreen trees, this is the very best season to plant in. And um, what why it is is because they're going to bring the energy back down from the, so, the foliage and store it, and then they're going to root out through the winter months, and then in the spring you'll get a bigger head. So you'll gain several months, you know, time by planting it now, almost the year's difference planting it now than if you planted it in like in May. Okay. And so, what yeah. about the pistache? 
Well, if it's perfect time to plant a pistachio. Now, as far as growth rates, pistachio are pretty fast. Now, I notice you're in Gilbert. The one thing you want to be careful with pistachio is not to overwater them. They don't like to stay wet. They, they're going to be a lot uh, more drought tolerant than other trees. And you can have mm-hmm. problems if you keep them too wet. So even in the heat of the summer in Gilbert, we wouldn't want to water them more than once a week. So watering my, it's going to be in the grass, mm-hmm. watering my grass once a day. No, once you should day. probably water your grass about once a week as well. You know, in Gilbert, you know, there's a lot of homes out there that are flood irrigated. And uh, uh-huh. those get irrigation on those lawns once every two weeks in the summertime. And if you notice, they're really pretty, full, nice, good-looking lawns. So when you water your lawn, what you want to do is you want to put a capturing device, like a tuna fish can, out in the lawn. Run your sprinklers long enough to you get an inch of water. So that's going to give you about a foot of penetration with your water. Then shut your irrigation down and come back with a screwdriver and push it in the ground when the ground's dry water again. But you'll find that in most places in Gilbert, weekly watering is ideal. On grass? On grass, yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So anytime, anytime now before I guess a, a frost is, or a freeze we have, right? Well, the freezes aren't going to bother those deciduous trees. I mean, they're completely frost hardy. They'll take temperatures down to zero. So I wouldn't be at all concerned planting them this time of year. And the, you'll get the advantage of the, of the rooting all winter long. And uh, then you'll have a bigger flush in the spring and a nicer tree. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your help. Thanks, Troy. Bye-bye. Well, and it reminds me, we got Troy and Troy. Troy. Troy just stepped in here to the newsroom, so we're going to find out what's happening on the planet. In the meantime, you can give Shira a call. We do have a couple lines available. The number to call is 602-277-5827. And we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. I have a friend and it's another one. It burrows in the ground deep within the soil. Sometimes when it rains, it comes out and we talk about our day. I have a friend and she's a butterfly. She flies from flower to flower, drinking sweet nectar. With hundreds of friends, they sleep up in the trees at night. I have a friend and he's a dragonfly. He sleeps around all day and hovers in the air. He's colorful and wonderful, his wings are strong and powerful. These are my friends, even though they are bones. They have a big role in our world, and even though they're bugs, I have a friend and it's an earthworm. Okay, we got to thank uh, Troy for that song. <laughs> that was Troy's song of the week. And, uh, you know, first time I ever heard it. I loved it. Anyway, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We've got uh, three lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Mike and Surprise, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Uh, got a quick question on flower and vegetable gardening. I have a four-foot by 40-foot uh, raised bed area uh, behind a wall, by a wall, 
and uh, I've worked up the soil, and I'm going to uh, put in uh, composted steer manure, mushroom compost, and lastly, gypsum. Uh, is it best to wait uh, a day or two after that's put in before you start doing your planting, especially the gypsum? Uh, no. Um, actually, you know, the gypsum really is going to help if you're using the steer manure because a lot of the steer manure is kind of salty. What, what exposure, what side of the wall are you planting on? Uh, it actually, it's, it's a north wall, but it has a southern exposure. So oh, get, perfect. Get lots of yeah, that's, that's the ideal location to plant a garden. Um, yeah, that sound, sounds like it's fine. Uh, the gypsum you're going to need to counteract the salts with the manure. So that's really a good idea. Um, you know, so I, I think you'll be fine. Um, we're a little leery about using manure sometimes because of the salt content. But what I would probably do with it is get it, put it all together, till it in, and um, then after you do that, pre-irrigate. So take and flood the whole bed. Just put a hose in there and let it run and fill the whole bed up with three or four inches of water so it leaches the salts down below and then plant. Okay, sounds good. All Another right. quick question. Uh, keeping uh, feral cats uh, from using your... Garden area as a litter box. Uh-huh. Uh, I know that there's this one product out there called uh, Bonide B O N I D E repels all. Uh-huh. It's a granular granular product. Are you familiar with that? Or any yeah, Bonide makes some really good products. Or you could use mothballs. Okay, you know mothballs work pretty well too. And uh, you know, for a lot of crit- crit- uh, critters, what works pretty well too is Irish Spring soap. I don't know if okay. it works as well on cats as it does on rats, but if you want to repel uh, <laughs> rats, I mean, they hate Irish Spring. Okay. And it, and it really well, does work. We usually have a, a couple uh, eating out orange uh, oranges on the tree, so I know the rats are around probably. Mm-hmm. No, they, I'm sure they are. That, that's the good part about the feral cats is I think that uh, if they're not fed too much, they can really help with the rat population. Okay, yeah, it's a good combination. All righty, okay, Mike. Okay, well, thanks, Brian. Well, happy planting. Have a good day. Okay, will do. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Uh, Daisy in the foothills of the superstitions. Hello, Daisy. Oh, hello. Good morning. Thank you for answering my call. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Okay, the first one would be, uh, okay, my um, my uh potted indoor plants there's like a film of white stuff on top mm-hmm. is that fungus it could be a little fungus as things, as things break down yeah and it isn't necessarily bad but it probably oh. is a fungus okay so it, it's not bad well not, 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 all, not all funguses are bad and some funguses really help with decomposition of, of products as they break down and okay. um, so it could be a beneficial you know if you, if you wanted to get rid of it you might try a little bit of Monterey disease control and it's uh-huh. basically a bacteria that eats fungus and so that might eliminate it for you if you like okay because I tried nimble oil it didn't help I'm well no it's, it's it, that would just kind of suffocate it but but Monterey oh. disease control is a, a bacteria and mm-hmm. basically the bacteria eats fungus mm-hmm. and, and, and so it, it seems fun. like it's spreading from one pot to the other well, do I need to yeah, if you want, if like I say, if you just want to treat him with uh, the Monterey disease control, it'll it'll probably devour your fungus, and it won't be an issue for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And another question is, uh, uh, what kind of uh, plants will bloom in the low light area? It's pretty hard, you know. Uh, one of the prettiest plants, though, for this time of year is a bulb called cyclamen, and uh, cyclamen come in a. a 
wide variety of kind of pastels, reds and violets and whites. And uh, they'll bloom fairly well in the shade or really low light. Um, the other ones that you would look at would be like begonias or impatience. And some of the begonias and some of the impatience will bloom well with lower light. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Okay, so cyclamen is a bulb, so it will... Uh it's not an annual. Well, no, you, you can take the bulbs out with cyclamen if you want to the end of the season. You know, they're, uh-huh. they're a European bulb that comes from like the forest land. So you could take those bulbs out and store them in the refrigerator, you know, over the summer and replant them the next year if you'd like to. Oh, okay. What about begonia and impatient? Well, they're perennials. I mean, they can, you know, last year after year if you're going to keep them in a container or a pot. They won't take uh-huh. our, our hot sun in the summertime. You know, but they'll do, uh, you know, pretty well in low light, and you can keep them for years. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Daisy. Have a nice day. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Neil in North Scottsdale. But after Neil, we've got wide open phones. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. How do I kill the roots to an African shoe map? <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not the easiest thing to kill, but actually, if you cut the trunk off, you're, you're gonna you're gonna take the tree out. I take it. Already took it out, and there's a root that goes under a foundation. Okay, so as long as it's down under the foundation, it doesn't have any sunlight, it'll die, and just rot away. So you okay, probably won't have any concerns with it anymore. Okay, and then. Um, there's a like a elm or something that grows down in Central Phoenix, kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, they just pop up everywhere. What about those? Uh, how to kill those? Well, you know, elms are another one. If you if you cut them off at the ground, you know, get them, the roots all cut below the ground, they're not going to come back up. You know, okay. so, some trees are a lot worse. So you'd have more of a problem with a, you know, like a sisu tree or an oak tree. There's other other varieties that will come back up off the roots below the ground. But you know, elms and, and sumacs. You know, typically, if you get those cut below grade, they're not going to come back. Okay. Appreciate the information. You're a very helpful show. Oh, Thank th- thanks for being part of it, Neil. And now we've got room for somebody else to be part of it. The number to call, 602-277-5827-277-KTR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, how to grow it, where to grow it. Or if you're doing something different at home, we'd love to hear from you as well. And I guess since we have wide open lines, we'll talk about Panther Peak. So um, there's a mountain in Tucson, kind of on the... Uh, the, the, it's on the west side of the uh, freeway, and uh, it's kind of the first mountain you come to when you go past Marana, and it's called Panther Peak, and it's really a beautiful mountain. It's got great forms, cool structures. It's got big crevices you can climb up and canyons you can go through in arroyos, and uh, about a year and a half ago, my daughter was climbing that. She loves to climb. She's like kind of like a tigger. I mean, she likes to bounce around in the forest. And with Julia, I mean, pretty much all of our life when we go out places, she loves to climb and explore. There's never a mountain that's not been a challenge for her to climb. But she likes to go climbing by herself. And sometimes she goes climbing by herself later in the day. So she carries a headlamp and some different things with her when she goes up these hills. And we get a call. My wife, Janice, and I get a call at home one night. And it's actually, I first get a call in the car on the way home. And it's just, you know, being dusk, you know, about 630 that time of year, whenever it was. And uh, she says, Dad, you know, I'm climbing up this hill. And I see this cat following me. And it's like a bobcat, but it's got a long tail. 
And I'm like, Julia, well, you know, that's not a bobcat. That's probably a mountain lion. And so, you know, where are you? And when she tells me where she's at, she's up on top of this mountain. She doesn't know the name of the hill. And she's having the great time of her life climbing up the mountains that she really enjoys doing and being followed by this cat. And I said, well, gee, you know, that's, that's a mountain lion. And I said... You know, I wouldn't be real concerned, but you want to act big. And if it's approaching you, throw rocks at it and be aggressive. And it probably won't want to get in a fight with you. I wouldn't want to get in a fight with Julia, but it probably didn't want to get a fight with Julia either. Just probably wanted to eat her. So um, I suggested to Julia that, uh, you know, perhaps she would want to call the Rangers and, and see if somebody could come up and assist her coming down the mountain or maybe fly up and pick her, pick her up in a helicopter. Because, you know, lions are known to eat people and especially down in, you know, the Catalinas and that part around Tucson. And there's been several lion attacks over the years. So I, I make it home and my wife and I are discussing this. And so Julia calls me back and says, well, her phone's, you know, going down on the amount of battery she has. And she's up on this hill and she's called the Rangers and they're going to call her back. And so we think, you know, all's probably fine. The Rangers are going to call her back. She'll be okay. And uh, then we get a call back about, oh, maybe 45 minutes to an hour later. And she says, Dad. How long before the sun comes up? Because they're telling me they maybe can't make it up this hill, and um, it's going to be too dark, and I'll have to stay up here tonight until the sun comes up. And I said, Julia, do you have their number? So she gives the number for the rangers to my wife and I, and they're coming out of Saguaro National Monument. They, they don't answer. They don't answer. And finally, the rangers answer. And they say, well, it's too dark. We can't go up and help her. So I call search and rescue in Tucson, and my wife and I are there. They're calling search and rescue. And, and they respond. They said, well, you know, we sent them up there two hours ago to go hike back down down the hill with her. And, uh, you know, it should be a fine thing. And they, they should have went up there, but they didn't. And they said, well, don't worry. We're going to, sir, we're going to, we're going to get a airplane launched right now and it'll be up in a few minutes and she'll be hot because she's hiking down the mountain and uh, she, you know, we'll, we'll find her. And then it was the last time when I had communication with her because her cell phone was going to die and I kind of expressed with, you know, my wife's concern and that, you know, make sure you don't go down where the crevices are. You know, you're going to have to hike down the mountain by yourself and, and head down the hill. So she was heading down the hill and her phone was cut off and about 45 minutes later, we called search and rescue back and the, the nice man at search and rescue said, yes, we've got a, we've got a spot on her now. We, we can see her and we'll, we'll keep flying. We can fly for four hours till she gets down the hill and, uh, took her about another hour and a half to get down the hill. And we got a call and contact from her. Her phone was dead, but the, the sheriffs who were on the bottom of the hill basically told us that, uh, you know, they'd found her. But in the meantime, when we talked to the, the, the search and rescue people, the last call, he informed us that that indeed was Panther Peak. And that's just down off of Tucson. So if you want to go hike Panther Peak, it's a beautiful mountain, great place to hike. But uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it was a nerve-wracking day for my wife and I. We'll be right back after a short break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We do have one line open while we're gone. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR.
Welcome back, folks. It is beautiful Sunday morning and pretty song as well. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. All kinds of trees, citrus trees, fruitless olive trees, desert trees like mesquites, ironwoods, palo verdes. Now is a great time to plant shade trees. And at Whitfields, we'll do the digging. Also, the perfect time if you want to plant some roses or a flower bed. You know, you plant now and you have beautiful flowers for the holiday. And they'll last all the way till May. Of course, the roses will last a lifetime. Anyway, whatever your dreams are for the perfect garden, whether you want to grow vegetables, if you want to grow some color, or if you're looking for some shrubs and trees, come out and see us at Woodfields. We've been growing trees here since the 40s. Our original store with my grandparents' Adobe House is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 264070 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Whitfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got uh, Barbara in North Phoenix. Good morning, Barb. Hey, Brian. Good morning. I have a question about watering and just uh, some nice comments. So I bought some Vitex trees from you guys, 36-inch box, and um, your team planted them the Friday before Halloween. So um, I can't remember the guy's name who led the team, but he was so nice. So he said water for the first week, like every day. And then what should I be doing after that in terms of watering? And then once a week, okay, until they lose their foliage, which is going to probably happen in mid-December. And then you could go once every two or three weeks in the wintertime until they start to leaf back out. They'll leaf back out somewhere around uh, the end of February or so. And then if you want them to grow fast, weekly watering next summer would be ideal. Okay. And then should should I be doing this like on a slow basis where... I'm waiting to get them hooked up to the rest of my irrigation. Okay, but, well, if there um, were a 36-inch box, now that's why he asked you to water daily for the first week. And then that way we're going to make sure we've got the ground well-saturated. Okay, so once it's well-saturated, they really don't need much water. And uh, this okay. time of year, the days are short, the temperatures are cool, and it's the perfect time to plant one. You know, you couldn't plant it at a better time of year. And they're going to bust out and grow like crazy in the spring. But, uh, you know, weekly watering now is fine. And just with a hose... Keep in mind that you want to get the water as deep as the container was, so it's got to go a couple feet deep. So that being said, they probably left a well around your tree. If you let the hose run kind of at a moderate rate for about 20 minutes on each one, that would be ideal until you get your irrigation you know, connected. Perfect. Okay. And then I just wanted to say thank you to Matthew at your Glendale store. Your son, he's, he's a nice guy and fun, and he helped me. I lost a huge uh, mesquite tree a couple years ago to a monsoon, and I was heartbroken. And um, he helped me with, I um, can't remember the variety now, because I think it won, it's special to Arizona where it's more resistant for wind. And, well, yeah, we, we uh, have the American mesquite, and uh, I, yes, I, I am, I am very proud of Matthew and all my sons and my, and my daughter who was up on the mountain, the mountain with the, the lion. But, uh, but thank you. Oh, wow. Hey, I'll he, tell you what, for my wife and I, it couldn't have been more nervous. It was kind of a hard story for me to actually tell on the because it goes back to the emotions my wife and I had, you know, when you have a child that's through the mountain line, it was kind of tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, I just wanted to put that plug in there and um, because he's just fun to work with and I just I just had two really great experiences. Your whole store, everything is beautiful property and, and plans and nice people. So keep up the good work. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, Bye-bye. have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, Bobby and Gilbert. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, Brian. About two weeks ago, I called and asked you about my asparagus, and 
you said I could get a second crop, so I cut everything down and watered it. It's been fertilized, and asparagus is coming up a lot, but they're skinny, little, itty-bitty. Well, the second ones aren't going to be like the first ones, okay? And they're going to diminish, you know, and they're not going to be as big as the, the other ones were. Oh, okay. I thought I was doing something wrong. No, no. It just, you know, it had all that inertia. It had all that foliage, and it builds the, you know, the, the roots, and they build up, you know, and they come out. But, you know, they're going to progressively get thinner, you know, until it grows back. And the very first cutting that comes out after you cut it back is always going to be the, the healthiest, biggest, nicest asparagus. In the spring, right? Well, in the spring or or the or in the fall. I mean, you can cut it back. You know, asparagus is is pretty fun that way because you can get more you know more cuttings during the year. But you know, the more foliage it has, the more it's built up, and the better it's going to come out. And when it gets colder, it's not going to produce as big as asparagus heads. And and then the more times you cut it, the less size it's going to produce as well. Okay. Well, you helped me out. Thank you so much. Well, enjoy it. Thanks, Bobby. Um, all right. Bye-bye. This, this is a great place to grow asparagus. Uh, let's see. Next, we got Peter in Queen Creek. Hello, Peter. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for calling. Hey, question for you. I've got uh, a, a store-bought bell pepper, and I planted the seeds, and I've got one successful uh, plant out of it. And it's starting to bloom. Mm-hmm. So do I need to keep that outside and get it pollinated? Or? Well, the, 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 here's the thing. It's kind of going into the winter season, and, and it's because of the age of the plants, why it's probably blooming still. But um, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about the crop you're going to try and get this time of year. But having the, the pepper you know, established right now is fantastic because in the spring, after the freeze, you can plant it outside or you can take the container outside, and you're going to get wonderful peppers in the spring. So the flowers okay. now, yeah, and I wouldn't care. You, know, you, you could possibly get a pepper, but it's kind of out of season. But you, know, okay. you have a pepper that's established for the spring, and they'll live for three or four years. So that's a fun thing to do. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's, I, I saw that it was starting to bud and everything like that. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> well, you're doing well. I mean, you're, you're very successful so far. So I, I think everything you're doing is just perfect. Uh, don't let it freeze because you've got all the time and energy into it. And uh, give it a lot of sun in the spring. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks, Peter. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Jeff and Tempe. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, good morning, sir. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Hey, I've got, um, you know, that strip of dirt between, like, let's say, your walkway or your house, you know, in an L shape. Uh-huh. And I've got one area that um, over the years I just can't, in one spot, I can't get anything to grow. Um, some of the other plants I've got are like a natal plum, I got uh, a ruella. But in this one area, it's like the end, and, and I've had. Like lavender, it would last a couple of years, and then it just, you know, it gets toast in the in the summertime. Um, I just had a a sweet pea; it was in there for a couple of years, and, and it grew well. And then all of a sudden, it just, you know, again, it was toast. Um, and it gets that west, you know, uh, sun, you know, so it gets pretty pretty. Uh, it gets a lot of sun, mm-hmm. and it gets pretty hot, but. Any suggestions? You know, if you want a hardy plant to grow in a tight area like that, what I would plant is a boxwood beauty natal plum. 
You know, and Box of Beauty Needle Plum will grow in the sun, it'll grow in the shade, it'll take all the heat in the world, take the reflected heat on the west side, and the plant will live 40 or 50 years. Well, I've got one right next to where that's, this spot is, so mm-hmm. I don't want to put another one. I'll just look for some. Some of their hardy, some of their super hardy kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it's so this gets full on west hot sun with reflected heat in the summertime and and then probably we had the, the you know a few summers too especially a couple of summers ago probably really cooked it um, you know if you like if you're going to use rosemary you could plant a rosemary in there it'll take the heat pretty well you're looking for something kind of on the shorter side of life uh, of life or height? well no I mean like something that's not going to be real big I mean they're looking for a smaller plant. Um, uh, something that probably, you know, with a little bit of height, about two to three feet, maybe. Okay. Um, so you, you could grow even like some of the hardier, you know, you can, if you want to grow like an agave or if you want to grow a smaller cactus, like a barrel of all different kinds of barrel cactus. And the thing with those, they might burn if you plant them there in the, in the spring. But if you plant one now and get it established, all those types of cactus will do really well. You know, one of my favorites, the fire barrel, which is the barrel with the red thorns. It's native here in Arizona, and uh, it'll do exceedingly well there. And they grow faster than you'd think. All right. That sounds good. I'll I'll kind of take a look at them. The other quick question I have is with oleanders. Um, like I have them, like I have some that are like, hey, hey, Jeff, I'm going to have to take you off the air. Cause you know what? We, we, we some okay. of, have things happen. I just got to say goodbye real quick. Put you back on hold right, and we'll no be problem. right back with the Whitfield right, Nursery Garden show next Sunday. Not today. Have a nice day. We, we had our power go off and come back on. I don't know if we were on the air or not, but we're here now. Hey, come out and see us at the nursery. Have a nice weekend.